How many have seen the movie Away From Her? Raise your hand. No one. Okay. <laughs> well, I am going to tell you about the plot and the main characters. Um, we have a slide. The, the main characters are Grant and Fiona Anderson, a couple of 44 years. Grant's a retired university professor of Nordic literature and mythology. And Fiona, um, his wife, has Alzheimer's disease. Meadow Lake isn't really a character, but it gets mentioned a lot. It's a long-term care facility where Fiona goes to live. Madeline is the administrator, and Christy the head nurse. Aubrey is a man with brain damage who's in a wheelchair and speaks very little, who becomes Fiona's friend at Meadow Lake, and Marion is Aubrey's wife. It's a deceptively simple plot, and the movie is not an action-packed movie. It's slow. It's visually beautiful. Grant and Fiona, at the start of the movie, live in comfort and contentment in a lake house in northern Ontario. Fiona inherited this house from her grandparents, and they moved here when Grant retired from the university 12 years before in a little bit of a scandal. Grant and Fiona have no real community, no family, and few friends. Fiona decides that she must move to Meadow Lake before it's too late with her dementia. Grant resists both the diagnosis and the move, but he doesn't really have much choice. Meadow Lake has an archaic rule that no longer exists in long-term care facilities that newly admitted residents may have no visitors for 30 days. When 30 days are up and Grant is finally able to return to see his wife of 44 years, it's unclear whether she knows who he is anymore. She may have kept him in her heart. She recognizes him, but she doesn't really know who he is, or she doesn't react as if she does. She responds differently. She withdraws from his emotion, from his attention. Grant feels unable to hug or touch her. In those 30 days, Fiona has befriended Aubrey. When Grant asks about her friend, Fiona says, oh, that's just Aubrey. Funny thing is, we knew each other when we were kids. It's quite unclear whether this is true or not. But what is clear is that they feel close to each other. Aubrey responds to Fiona in a husbandly sort of way. Grant becomes jealous and confused. He asks Christy, the head nurse, who becomes his confidant because he doesn't have a community, if it's possible that Fiona could be be pretending about her dementia just to punish him, he says. Christy looks quizzical but doesn't really respond except to say that Alzheimer's disease varies from day to day. What a person knows one day they may not know the next and vice versa. As Grant continues to visit, each day he sees Fiona and Aubrey together and Fiona remarks to him, my, but you're persistent. He can't tell her that he is her husband. Turns out that Aubrey is at Meadow Lake only for a short time. 
He's here for, there for respite care when his wife took a vacation to Florida. When his wife comes to take Aubrey home, both Fiona and Aubrey are heartbroken. After Aubrey is gone, Fiona stops eating. She loses weight, stops walking, and begins to look disheveled. I should say that Fiona is played by Julie Christie, who is as beautiful now as she has ever been, and in the beginning parts of the movie looks quite beautiful and elegant. She never stops looking beautiful, but she does look disheveled, and she looks like someone who's deteriorating. Grant decides to try to convince Marion to bring Aubrey back to Meadow Lake so that Fiona will be happy again, at least for a visit. Grant and Marion have never met each other before. So Marion resists this strange man coming to tell her she should take her husband to a nursing home. She's taking care of Aubrey at home because otherwise she would lose her house and all of her financial security. Marianne and Aubrey also have no nearby family and no real support. So Grant and Marianne are initially quite judgmental of each other. Marianne is quite different from Fiona. She's more like the women of Grant's childhood. But somehow, somehow, Marianne and Grant begin to see the possibilities of a future with each other, a new future. And at the end of the movie, you see Marion has packed up all the boxes and all the furniture from her house. She's loading it into something like a U-Haul. And Grant is driving Aubrey back to Meadow Lake. Is Marion moving in with Grant? We don't really know. But in the last scene at Meadow Lake, Grant goes in to say that he's brought Aubrey to see Fiona. And Fiona suddenly recognizes him, recognizes him fully, approaches him, hugs him. She's clearly much more herself. For the first time in some months, she recognizes that the clothes she's wearing are not actually her own. And she doesn't seem to remember Aubrey. This is a love story. It's a love story near the end of life, near the end of a relationship. It's not sentimental. It's not romantic. It's not idealized, except maybe in its visual images. I've never seen a long-term care facility that looks so nice. But it is a very real love story. It's a story of love and identity, love and memory, desire and attachment. And in the end, it's a story of growing maturity and growing love, a redemptive love. Watching the movie led me to look for the short story from which it was adapted, because there's so much in the movie, and it's also not entirely clear. There's even more in the short story, which is called The Bear Came Over the Mountain. It was written by Canadian writer Alice Munro and published in The New Yorker in 1999. And you can find it online, the full text. So some of what I'm talking about comes from the story as well as from the movie. 
Anyway, away from her was very thought-provoking for me, that someone married 30 years and not quite reaching Alzheimer's stage, but I can see it more closely than some of you. I thought a lot about identity and memory and attachment. I remembered my friend, a poet, who was widowed after about 20 years of marriage, widowed young, and she said to me, I don't know who I am anymore. I don't know who I am or how to live without him. She's doing okay. She's making a new life. She's found an identity. But what she said still resonates with me. Who I am now has something to do with having been married to Rick for almost 30 years. Who would I have been without him? I don't know. We have so much history together. Partner so long he knows things about me that no one else would know or remember. In a scene from away from her, Grant and Fiona are driving to Meadow Lake for the first time. Before they reached the country highway, the road dipped through a swampy hollow, now completely frozen over. Fiona said, Oh, remember? Grant said, I was thinking of that too. Only it was in the moonlight, she said. The scene captures that sense of knowing each other well, and I forgot something, and I'm interrupting this message, to say, kids, you can go play with each other. You don't have to stay and listen to me talk. Ken reminded me to say that, but I was so touched by the song that I forgot to tell you, go play. See you later. <laughs> anyway, that scene does capture that sense of knowing each other so well that you don't have to complete sentences. They still know what they mean. They have that couple's shorthand from shared history, shared memory. I can say, remember to Rick, and I tried this out. I said, remember Evan? And we both think of a little boy who could make so much noise you could hear him playing a block away. We knew this little boy uh, 25 years ago and haven't, we've moved away from him. And maybe saying that might picture our first house together and how we painted it yellow ourselves. Maybe Rick might remember how I struggled with issues from my family of origin and stress with writing papers for grad school. Some of who we are comes from genetics, some from how we experience life together. What happens when your memories are no longer shared, but the person you shared them with is still physically present? How is it to be physically close and yet disconnected, disconnected from your loved one? You still keep them in your heart. Grant was confused. Sarah Poli is a 28-year-old writer and director of Away From Her. She's in her very early years of marriage. She read this story on a plane and was so struck with it that it kept coming back to her for a couple of years. She said she wanted to make a marriage, a film that would show what a marriage looks like 
with all that life piled on top of it. I think marriages look different with life piled on top, depending on the kind of life. Olympia Dukakis, who's also the spokesperson for Alzheimer's disease in the U.S., um, plays Marion, and she sees the film as a story of abiding love in a form and shape we don't always see, a form that shows the ongoingness of life. Really, life continues to reinvent itself, she says. But the story is really Grant's story. It's a story of spiritual growth. The filmmakers called it a story of devotion. But especially after reading the short story, I really thought it could have just as well been called the story of obsessive attachment. Grant and Fiona's marriage was a lasting one. And in their later years, they were content. But the marriage wasn't always necessarily what we would think of as a good one. Grant had many affairs with his college students, and Fiona knew of at least some of them. He told himself it wasn't so bad, because he'd never stopped making love to Fiona, and he'd never spent a single night away from her. The story is full of Grant's projections. He didn't know himself. He doesn't take responsibility for his own behavior or the effect that behavior has on other people. Grant has confused love and desire. And by desire here, I don't mean sexual desire. I mean desire more in the Buddhist sense. Lauren Labner, who's a psychologist and a Buddhist teacher, wrote The Lost Art of Compassion. He says, desire is always idealistic. By its very nature, desire idealizes objects. With desire, the underlying energy is one of grasping, grasping at this other person to bring you happiness. That kind of desire causes suffering because it can never really be satisfied. When we hold on to an idealistic and demanding view of the other, our partner, true intimacy is not possible. We cannot really know the other, can't really love maturely, because we don't allow the other person to be real, to be impermanent, to be changing. Marriage or any intimate long-term relationship is as much about letting go as it is about commitment and staying together. We do not have a permanent, unchanging identity. Indeed, nothing in life is permanent, unchanging. Our memories help to keep a coherent story. But our identities change. Rick has joked that he didn't need to get a divorce to be married to a different woman. <laughs> and, in fact, my changes may be a bit more obvious than some others. Not everybody leaves a career to go to seminary and become a minister. But we all change. And everyone who stays married becomes married to a different man or a different woman repeatedly. But sometimes we might get stuck in our old views of our partners. Rick might see me as that same woman who really stressed out about writing papers, though really I feel differently today. I might see him as the same man he was at 25 when he had long hair and was clean-shaven and he played the guitar a lot. I saw him as bright and quiet and caring, 
He's had short hair for a long time and a beard for, I asked him how long, and we don't remember how many years he's had the beard. He hardly ever plays the guitar anymore. I do still see him as bright and quiet and caring. But this is the problem that Grant Anderson has through much, much of this movie. The story makes it quite clear that he idealized Fiona. Her family was more affluent and more worldly than his own. Her father was an important cardiologist. His mother was a small-town widow who worked as a receptionist in a doctor's office. Grant thought Fiona was joking when she asked him, do you think it would be fun if we got married? Still, he said yes. And he said, I never wanted to be away from her. She had the spark of life. I think it felt to Grant like she had the spark of his life. Much of his identity came from marrying Fiona. She was beautiful, elegant, and eccentric. Monroe wrote, and Grant himself might have seemed to some people to have been picked as another of Fiona's eccentric whims, groomed and tended and favored. It was her father's money and position that helped him have a tenure-track position at the university. So Grant does not want to admit that Fiona has changed and is changing. He tells the doctor, she looked just like herself on this day, direct and vague, sweet and ironic. She's always been a bit like this. Even on the drive to Meadow Lake, he wants to turn around because she remembers that walk in the moonlight. Surely there's nothing really wrong with her. But he doesn't. Because Fiona has accepted the changes in herself. She says, I just wander around trying to figure out what it was that was so important. I think I may be beginning to disappear. But she doesn't seem distressed. Sometimes there's something delicious in oblivion, she says. She doesn't notice that the clothes she's wearing are not her own. But Grant's quite distressed. They are the sort of thing I've seen on local women in the supermarket. Perhaps the sort of clothing his own mother might have worn. Before Meadow Lake, Fiona seems to have a clearer sense of who Grant is and seems to have accepted him as much as we can tell. She doesn't want him to have to care for her at home, and I think she doesn't really trust him to do so. She knows she must let go. Grant can't let go. He can't see Fiona as she is. Gordon Consett is the Canadian actor who plays Grant, and he says, when Fiona becomes ill, Letting go of her was killing Grant. So this is a movie about an ending. When I was a therapist, I sometimes told people that every relationship comes to a bad end. It's true. You may have a relationship that's happy and lasts for many, many years, but the day will come when the loved one dies or you die or someone has severe dementia. Everything ends. But rather than paralyzing one with fear about endings then, 
The knowledge of impermanence can lead to a focus on loving today, of being mindful today, being mindful of the joys of life and the joys of healthy attachments. Ladner, the Buddhist psychologist, encourages what he calls mourning for the living, including ourselves. He says, seeing how others continually change helps us to let go of our rigid projections about them and recognizing how they suffer from loss and impermanence can help us to develop compassion. Facing loss, we find love. To genuinely love another person, we must let go of our projections and appreciate that person for who he or she really is. So paying attention to impermanence, mourning the living can help us to develop a mature love. And this is what happens to Grant. Forced to finally face himself, his loss, forced to face the changes in Fiona, he mourns and he begins to grow spiritually. He is able to really love Fiona to take actions that he believes will make Fiona happy. And Fiona is the one who says, I think all we can aspire to in this situation is a little bit of grace. UU Minister Fred Muir says that grace is the consciousness of unity, a sense of divine order, and a listening to life. Grant finds grace in listening to life, his life, Fiona's life, really seeing Fiona. And a little bit of grace is something that we can all aspire to, something we need in our lives, in all our relationships. We need the grace to see and accept ourselves for who we really are. We need the grace to see and accept others as they really are. And we need that grace to let go and be mindful in the present. But we don't need to wait until we're 75 like Grant. Don't wait till the end. Don't wait. Don't waste your wild and precious lifetime on illusions and projections. Spiritual practice, life in community, listening to our lives now, all can help us to know who we are, to love fully and to live with joy. What if Grant and Fiona had had a community? But at the very end of the story, Fiona thanks Grant. She says, I'm happy to see you. You could have just driven away, just driven away without a care, without a care in the world and forsook me, forsooken me, forsaken. Grant kept his face against her white hair, her pink scalp, her sweetly shaped skull. He said, not a chance. So may we all be able to say, not a chance. Amen.